0: Welcome to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. I am your host, Dr. Oni Lev, an emergency and addiction doctor who has served at the White House and still practices on the front lines. Right here on High Truths, you will learn from experts, hear stories from the emergency department, and listen to people who have struggled from addiction. Friends, fentanyl is plaguing America. It has infected all illicit drugs, from cocaine to meth, counterfeit pills, and even marijuana. If you are around someone who may be using drugs, you should carry naloxone, the opioid reversal agent. Carrying naloxone for drugs is like carrying an EpiPen for allergies. If you need a prescription for naloxone, you should have one, no questions asked. That is why I am offering a free prescription to anyone who needs one. Come visit me on HighTruths.com. To learn more about the show, submit a question, or download a free prescription for naloxone. And if you like the show, do me a favor, give us a five-star review and subscribe. Your stars are very much appreciated and go a long way in supporting the program. This High Truths podcast is sponsored by NMI, the National Marijuana Initiative. NMI strives to dispel misconceptions about marijuana and raise awareness of the issues surrounding the drug so that citizens and policymakers can make well-informed choices regarding marijuana use and regulations. Learn more about NMI at thenmi.org. Hello, everyone. Get ready for another great episode of High Truths. We will be talking about consumer protection, women in weed, and athletes in weed. I'm your host, Dr. Ronit Lev. The other day, I was in line picking up a prescription for my daughter at the pharmacy, and I was watching the shoppers at the store and noticed something shocking to me, something that you've all noticed and know about for a long time. People treat themselves for all types of ailments. I was and heard people chatting, hey, what's that stuff for milk stomach aches? And I need something for allergies. And which one of these products is the best anti-aging? The horror to a doctor who spent her lifetime studying medicine that people just willy-nilly choose various over-the-counter supplements. And yet, mankind has done without doctors, my beloved profession, since the dawn of time. Let me ask you, today, in 2022, How do you decide which of the 85,000 dietary supplements you should take? The supplement market is a $140.3 billion industry. They are targeting you and me for our desires of health and various treatment ailments. Some supplements are vital. My lab work showed that I am deficient in vitamin D, and so I take vitamin D every morning. But how do I know that the vitamin D I am buying is good or not? whether it has contaminants, whether it really has 5,000 international units and not some other chemical. I will share with you an important consumer tip, the USP seal. I only recommend products that have a USP verified seal on the label. The seal means the product has been tested by a third-party lab to verify what's on the product label. Testing ensures that the potency or dose is accurate. Testing makes sure the product is pure and without pesticides, mold, or other adulterants. And testing ensures performance that the pill or tablet can dissolve appropriately and be absorbed in the body. Costco Kirkland Signature products carry the USP seal. And NatureMate is another brand that voluntarily participates in the USP Dietary Supplement Verification Program. So... The next time you're at the vitamin aisle buying zinc for COVID or vitamin C for the flu, look for the USP seal and think of this High Truths tip. And with that, let's hear our question of the day. Hi, my name is April Dawn and I'm a hairstylist. Thank you, Dr. Lev, for bringing High Truths. My other favorite doctor is Dr. Drew. You should be on his show. There are various cannabis-based products made for hair and nails, I wonder if they are safe for my clients. Thank you, April, for your question. And I bet a lot of people have the same question. There are lots of products out there. My sister once showed me a shampoo with a large marijuana leaf on the label. And other relatives have asked me about very expensive cannabis-based creams and if they're safe. How do you know what is safe? To discuss the cannabis-based products specifically geared to women, I invite you to an expert I know you will love to meet, Dr. Letitia Bader. Dr. Bader is a licensed psychologist, licensed addiction counselor, and certified mental performance consultant. She works with elite athletes, with women in recovery, and is a subject matter expert at the National Marijuana Initiative, specializing in women and weed. You can find Dr. Letitia Bader's bio on the High Truth show notes. Dr. Letitia Bader, welcome to High Truths.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure.
0: I am excited for our conversation. And uh, we had a fun time hanging out in Miami. We were, were both subject matter experts in marijuana, and we, we got to hang out and meet each other, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, tell the High Truth listeners, what made
1: you an expert in women and weed? No, such a strange... Well, I say it's such a strange little niche, but um, it's my everyday life. And so I am a licensed psychologist and um, that's how the, I earned the doctor part. So I'm going to leave medical to you and I'll leave the rest uh, to, to me. But I um, am also a licensed addictions counselor and I'm a certified mental performance consultant. It's super fancy, but I just get to um, work with elite athletes and high achieving people on a regular basis. But I am the Chief Clinical Officer for Women's Recovery. It's a gender-specialized treatment in Denver. Um, We have two sites in Colorado, but that's I've just been around recovery efforts and treatment for uh, a pretty long time and started to really want to make sure that I advocated for women. And so that's what I uh, do on the daily. I get to talk to women about their struggles with substance use. And um, weed, of course, has been part of it. And welcome to the great square state, the centennial state for Colorado. I was on the front lines for industrialization and um, I got a little offended by the substance. So started to learn a lot about it. Interesting. And that's what gets me in front of you.
0: <laughs> that is. Um, so I guess we're going to talk a lot about uh, women on this episode. And one of the women who called into this show is April. She's an amazing hairdresser and she asks about the safety of various cannabis-based hair and nail products and she's asking are they safe i mean they're they're around her industry her business her clients ask about it and what should we
1: what should we tell Ellie pro I do. Usually this, um, Dr. Love, like I laugh as at the conferences, usually this is exactly when half of the population kind of walks out of the talk. As soon as we <laughs> say women, right. And we, and 50% so walk out right? They at least. And so I guess that's my part is just to please stay tuned because if you aren't, um, female yourself, you know, a female, you love one, you're trying to raise one. And, um, her question is, one of the, more of the sidewalk talks that I give more often, um, it's the women that will come up after the presentation and they'll grab something out of their purse and they're like, Dr. Bader, okay, this is $150. Should I buy it? Like, you know, that that's how it started. Honestly, that's how it started in yeah. 2016 is that people were bringing me products and asking. They're expensive. Is, they
0: can be they expensive. They are right? very expensive. People think more money is better, right?
1: As we all do, right? Is that if it's in a shinier, if it's in a shinier bottle, if it looks well done, I left even if the magazine looks fancy, right? Is that I would believe what the product is in there is the nicer it looks, the better it is. And, and that's honestly is it's in the consumer beware um, category, so you can turn one of those products around. It was a tincture that one that uh, the woman came up to me, and it was by the time that we really broke it down, knowing it, where it was produced, because at the time um, the hemp bill wasn't um, alive and well, and so I knew that that place that it was actually being produced couldn't say that they were producing hemp and bringing it to market, and so it was um, sunflower oil, it was agave, and she was about to pay, and she was about to pay hundred dollars for it. And it would have been a tincture of sugar. And so that's that's impressive. You
0: were able to to track that down. Can you teach us how you do that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Buyer beware, consumer be informed. So back in the day in 2016, um, many states didn't have a hemp bill. Um, That passed in 2018, where the federal government said it's okay to grow it and you can produce things from it. Um, But it was, I turned it around and it was, you know, made in. And so I knew that the state that she brought it from wasn't allowed to grow and produce crops in in that fashion. And then I just looked at the ingredients and it literally didn't say hemp. The front of the bottle said hemp, but the back of the bottle said agave and sunflower and oils. And it was suspended in a tincture that's alcohol-based. And that was kind of our belief is that it would have been helpful and it would have been hemp and it would have been have antioxidants um, and that, and that's honestly, it's why CBD, especially CBD, is moving its way into our aesthetics. It's moving its way into our beauty products um, because it, it does have some principles that can, that can help if used, I think, um, properly and if used in the way that they're supposed to. And so when I think about CBD and hair care, it's the anti-inflammatory properties, maybe I'm not quite, I'm not a hairdresser. I'm not quite sure what that would do to my roots or to growing um but we do find some some protective aspects about cbd that can get into our products but i think one of those things is if if you knew the product if you're using a great shampoo or a conditioner before then is that you would want to make sure right like that alcohol is the fourth uh, product we're not drying our hair out um, but i think a lot of it is that we're being sold a lot of products with that in the front of the packaging, just to get more of a trend. That's going to, unfortunately, it's probably going to be my soundbite that gets used is I think we're buying a lot of products that say hemp, um, that say weed. Um, there's a mascara. I literally just saw it in Walgreens that had the cannabis leaf on it. I don't think that the product has changed that much, but the price went up a dollar, because it was hemp infused mascara, um, and that to me is what's changing the hearts and minds of it. What your hairdresser asks is the question is, is it safe? Um, more often than not, if we're putting a product on our hair, I have less concern about safety. Um, if we're putting our product in our body and our liver is having to process it and our body is having to metabolize it, now you're going to get a different answer from me. Um
0: Yeah. That's kind of what I mean. I've gotten the same kind of questions, and that's what I say. Like, like, what is it that you're taking? And, um, and I tell people whether it's a hair product or a vitamin, um, you don't know what's on the label, so you were able to track um, the date and this where it was produced to know that it wasn't hemp. But well,
1: you only still, because of my knowledge, but I wouldn't right. say that the average person would know. But that. you still right.
0: counted on the the alcohol and sunflower oil. On the label, but some of the products that are sold, even that is not accurate. And if you're going, to they don't to the, have to be. Yeah, but people who companies that invest in being part of the USP seal, you could count on those um, as being correct. So if you go to the, the next time you're at a drugstore, you see this USP seal uh, for your vitamin D or your zinc or you know whatever it is that your your supplement that you're buying. If you see the USP seal, you could count on that product have been tested by a third party to make sure that whatever it says it's in it,
1: it's really in there. And you I, get into a place where I agree, right? Like government oversight at yeah. times for me, I appreciate consumer protection laws were made for a lot for people like me, right? Where I pick up a jar and I'm like, oh, I trust that there's peanut butter in here. Right. And not something else. Thank you so much. Right. I trust that this is Advil. I trust that this is, you know, insert right. brand name here.
0: And the USP seal is not government. It is a third, it's a third party. It's an organization that follows voluntary national standards for dietary supplements. Um, and, and, uh, um, you don't have to do it. I mean, people who sell products don't have to use them, but the reputable ones, um, do, do use them. And that way, you know, consumers know what they're buying. I, I refer people, you know, when they ask, is this safe? And, like, I think you're right. Like, if it's on the nails and the hair, you know, the absorption to the body is minimal. Oils, though, uh, you know, um, creams, they can get absorbed to the body. Very and much. And it depends on the amount, right? It's like if you take a little bit and there's only a little bit in it, then, you know, you're probably fine. Um, but if you're taking a lot and you want to know what what is the pr- consumer protection, then I'd go to the FDA label for a CBD and read about you know, somnolence and liver toxicity, um, and, um, and that's with doses for um, treating, um, you know, very rare pediatric seizures. Where And so that has been tested by the FDA to give as a prescription. So that I could count on. That's the science. If you know, like, what what can CBD do to me, then, you know, I would look at that and, and see what's been published.
1: I, I tell my anecdotal stories because, to me, those are the powerful ones. And so sitting in a room um, with a professional player who is about to get um, potentially a first suspension because of a positive THC test and like the face that the, that the player was making was I was just getting massages and they were using a CBD oil, right? Maybe, and it's an professional athlete. So they get definitely get more massages than we do. Um, But they were testing positive for THC. When the um, professional that they were, using, it's just CBD. It's just CBD, and that was, you know, if you get an hour-long massage, they use X number amounts of lotion, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that was happening. And the same for a baby boomer that went to, um, <laughs> so she was 69 years old. It was our giggle, and the very first time she'd ever um, been accused of taking drugs, and she was using it for her tennis elbow, and she had picked up a product um that she believed was just cbd and because she was using it in the way that it told her to and that's all that she was using it just as a topical four times a day, right, rub it on your elbow when it hurts, is that she had actually tested positive for THC at her physician's office.
0: And that's because, again, like you say, consumer beware, a lot of the products that are, you know, posed as CBD also have THC. And yes. people ask me, do you see CBD toxicity in the emergency department? No, but I've seen plenty of people who, just like you're saying, who think that they were using CBD and they're testing positive for THC and you are seeing that type of reaction, so... Yeah, Um, that's what that's the problem. People don't know exactly what they're Mm. buying.
1: And we do have those interaction things, too, is that it may not reach toxicity. It might not reach you. Right. But our Mm. liver does have to process that. And we don't know a lot of the interactions between some of these topicals um, and then our prescription medications as well.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I, I refer people to drugs.com to look at drug interactions. If you're taking CBD or THC, check the drug interaction checkers and, and see if your medication interacts with that. Um, what's that? You, you go looking for women's products. You mentioned like the mascara and the oh, um, do massage I creams. What's the weirdest product you've seen? And I think this is the part... Um, where Dave, our producer needs to like, um, we have
1: to make sure he, he doesn't blush.
0: <laughs> I know we,
1: if I've made a man from Kentucky blush more, uh, more than I wanted to say. <laughs> so when I, when I talk about products like this, I know I'm probably talking about very friend on the fringe, like very edge of use. Um, but one of the top products that was selling in 2016, and I have to stop because it was a Peter Piper Pecker puffer. It was a bong. Uh, I'm in the shape of a vibrator. And so you would use it and smoke and then insert it. And um, that again, fringe use for that, but you can Google marijuana tampon and that is being produced. But most of it isn't that um, eye-catching, right? It's, it's in our cannabis-infused drinks. That's actually one of the things I like just came out is that the women are the main consumers of cannabis-infused beverages. And that um, what they're tracking is that we are buying the CBD, THC, but we are buying it for our homes. So it goes anywhere from candles. Um, I laughed CBD-infused, that was a fire log. Um, That costs $30. I'm not really sure how you can infuse a fire log and then use it, but THC could be in suppositories and pop tarts and coffee and, and, and cannabis infused wine. Um, But mostly lubricants. We think about that, but we're starting our morning with face, you know, with any kind of our aesthetics our products from hair to skin to nails, and it could be infused with THC, and CBD. And then we're moving all throughout our day with the ability to use a product that's on the market. Um, and then we're finishing our evenings with that as well. And we're bringing it into the bedroom. It's in the kitchen, um, food, coffees, name it. But It's I think all
0: over the place, but is that recommended? Is it healthy? People are doing it because they think it's healthy.
1: It's, it, it, that's, the, that's what the industry is marketing now. We're not talking about getting high. That, that, yeah. that, that's old. We're actually talking about getting well. And that's what I notice, especially with more of the uh, marketing towards women, is that it is much more about health and wellness and overall um, aesthetics and overall mental health and ability to parent better, right? That To me, that's what's being marketed to women is that it's going to be a very, I know, (laughs)
0: it's going to help us do everything. It's sad because we're, we're like, Follow the science, follow the science. And yet when it comes to these products, like the science is not important. <laughs> um, you, you talk about the importance of tracking and the marketing and the messaging yes. of the industry.
1: Why is that important? The industry's job is to attract new consumers. It's to increase the use of the current consumers and then retain the regular consumers. And so honestly, the way that we attract potentially people that have never used the substance, and that's more often what I see is a a woman that has never stepped up to using drugs whatsoever um, or has come late in the game. And they are putting products out there that are um, very attractive, very benign, like we start low and go slow, but that it makes a new user. That's actually their job. That's what the industry's job is to, to attract new users And then to increase the consumerism of the people that would be open to it. So that's where you have to have a variety of products, right? As they would say, um, Brightfield, uh, an industry polling, said that 59% of new weed users are women. And so we're coming in the door. And we know that for consumer behaviorism too, is that we actually like 70, 80% of the consumer purchasing is actually through um, women. And so we're the ones that kind of have the buying power and the buying influence. We know where the dollars go in the household. And that's what's happening. But that then to me is where it sneaks in for frequency of use and intensity, potency, right? Because we will develop a tolerance to these products. Maybe not necessarily the hair care or the shampoo, right? But if we start to ingest products that have THC, if we start to ingest um, products, that we will build a tolerance to it. And that first high um, or the first relaxing efforts won't be the same after a while. Um, That's what actually women's bodies do better than men is that we can actually build tolerances up faster. Um, And then we don't have that same relaxing feeling. And so we'll probably use more. And that's what I'm noticing with the marketing campaign is once it's sort of, it's kind of a foot in the door principle is once a product or once a behavior gets into our world, um, we'll usually stick with it.
0: Isn't that true for for men too? I mean, Mm -hmm. anybody can develop a a tolerance. What are the differences in um, the gender differences
1: in in cannabis? We So our bodies, because of um, our water, um, our fat enzymes, this is a fat-soluble drug. And even so, I think about that as a water-soluble drug like nicotine or alcohol can kind of come in and out of the body. But because it's a fat-soluble drug, it comes in and stays and then takes much longer to get out of the body is that's a little bit different for women, but you said it, we can, any of us can develop a tolerance um, for this substance. It's addictive as well. And I know that 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 kind of goes without saying, but what we're seeing for potency rates is that those numbers are on the rise. Those scientific numbers that we can say like a general population, you know, has an eight to 15% chance of being addicted to something, um, a toxin or a substance that they put in their body. And these numbers are starting to grow. And we're learning that with every year. Um, it's almost up to 30% um, rates of addiction for for cannabis, for THC. And when we say that, and you'll hear us slip back and forth. And so if this is like your first time um, for Dr. Le, I doubt it because um, <laughs> you're probably like a frequent listener like me, but knowing that difference of the THC versus CBD. And some of the other cannabinoids that are on the market. Um, when we talk about potency, we are talking about the part that gets us high for the THC.
0: Yeah, and um, you, i gonna say you talk about. Are there special products you talk about um, for women? It's like mascara and hair beauty products, relaxing drinks. Yes. And I know this isn't your special, but have you? do the men get targeted in the same way? Like this is a uh, cannabis infused beer,
1: whatever men. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you, you know, ne- <laughs> no, you just put alcohol. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. i I laugh as I'm for, for all of the types that I say, like substances aren't gender neutral. It, to me, it doesn't matter if there's a product on the market. We have, we, they've put cannabis in it. Um They put cannabis in water. They put cannabis in beer. They put cannabis in wine. They put cannabis in, any product you can imagine. Um, and we put it all over any way that you can interact with it. Um, we're trying it and then some,
0: what about you're talking about mothers, um, the industry specifically targeting mothers to use for like
1: morning sickness or to relax or to watch your kids. All things true. So when we think about when you say mothers is expecting mothers, right? So dispensaries. Um, it, the thing that happens with our lives as women, right? We become these developing people and we start to age and then we have this window of opportunity then to have children and those usually intersect right in the middle. And so a woman might be using cannabis on a regular or an infrequent basis. And then all of a sudden start to think about starting a family and it can, that already can start concerns with reproduction, male and female. They're doing a lot of great testing Um, For male and female impact on uh, reproduction. And then that part, then getting pregnant is one of the biggest symptoms that we all talk about, even ages ago, generations ago, right, is morning sickness. And one of the things that THC actually can do, right, is to suppress nausea, um, because we've heard it to talk about that for cancer treatments, we've heard it talk about that for chronic wasting. So the unfortunate part is that women are walking into the dispensaries or to other women and talking about, especially in the first trimester, how terrible their nausea is. And cannabis is being highly recommended as a way to treat that symptom without talking about the rest of the impact to me about neonatal functioning. Then we'll be pregnant, right? And maybe if we struggled with substance before, there's a place where it takes maybe about three to four months to have a cessation from a drug. It's like to get clean and sober from a drug, be it alcohol or tobacco or cannabis. And so in this critical period of being pregnant, we're struggling maybe to get sober if it's a choice that we want to. And then we have a child and then so this is the mom part too, right? is then maybe we're breastfeeding. And this is what the science is telling us. like this is a part it, it, to me, it doesn't matter where I say this, I say this as much as I possibly can. There is no safe level of cannabis use during pregnancy or breastfeeding because it freely crosses the placenta. It is found in breast milk and it is, this is not a pump and dump situation, right? Cause we can find THC that builds in breast milk up to one hour past use, um, up to six weeks, I actually underestimated it once in a talk and I had a lot of great physicians come back and give me um, real-time data that they were finding. Um, and then it concentrates. And so that we're learning about toxicity. We're learning about neuro, um, neurological damage to the endocannabinoid system for the mom, for the child. And then postpartum depression can, can and, and a lot of those concerns, and we can return back to cannabis use. But that's how it's being marketed um, for many people. We kind of call it, it's like canna moms, Um, Ah. they have, it's, it's a movement. And we think about that. We might not, we don't laugh as much as we used to, or we don't have that same offended moment. I talk about hearts and minds campaigns. um, And if you're old enough to be old enough, then the very first time that I actually saw like a mommy wine cup, um, this is how old I am in a Hallmark store, like a real brick and mortar store. Mm -hmm. I was like, you're kidding. Like we're taught. like there's t-shirts, um, for this mommy wine culture. And now it doesn't phase us. It doesn't, we don't flinch too much, right? There's t-shirts and cups and, and, and dish towels and greeting cards. And we kind of giggle and joke, um, about, you know, bringing wine to the play date for lunch. And that's where we're going to, I believe that's going to be the movement as well. The I don't see the moms in the emergency
0: department, but I see the kids, yeah, because if they're using gummies, you know the kid'll get into it while they're raising yes. right, or they yeah. and all the products that are made for ki- you know that appealing to kids like a mom doesn't need to buy wee that look like cheetos, but the kid'll get into it and end up in the emergency department um and we've had a 13.3-fold increase in kids' babies, children under the age of six who end up in the emergency department because of marijuana products. So, you know, I I mean, they have to keep these products away from kids. Um, And You uh, you
1: totally just said it. That's one of the things I kind of scream at the end of all of my talks is for storage, recognizing products with cannabis. Um, But thinking about that it is our responsibility is that if we do bring a product into our home, is how we can keep ourselves, and children, and pets, and partners safe from that.
0: I, I'm wondering that you know um, when you're pregnant, you go to the doctor, and they tell you you know limit alcohol and caffeine. Um, you know, marijuana should be right there. I mean, it's a teratogen. It it, it causes birth defects and and um, and and cancers and and different things like that. That that's known. That's not argued. That's you know FDA. W- label warning. Um, so it's amazing that it's marketed to, to people who are pregnant.
1: But you say the same, right? The, the marketing in the industry versus our physicians and asking. And so that's one of the things is that it is the most, cannabis is the most illicit substance used during pregnancy. So to me as a provider, I'd be asking, knowing what's going on. And that the unfortunate part is I don't think um, we're screening as much. I don't think that we're asking, especially in states that have legalized, is that it seems like a okay uh or a, as a provider, I might not know how to ask or screen or what to do with that information afterwards, but just as you say, um it because we know of its dangers i would I would hope that our providers are screening and providing education as well,
0: yeah, interesting. I know that American mm-hmm. College of Obstetrics and Gynecology yep. have they have a poster. Um, that that show about the harms, and they specifically say not to use marijuana products um, before, during, and right after pregnancy in order to 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 save the developing you know fetus and, and yes. baby that's growing. Um, and there are a lot of go ahead.
1: No, and as I I'm mine is a public service announcements. So I'm just that person where I I think about um, I joke I never knew I was so attached to deli meat until I got pregnant myself. Um, gibbles, if you can hear me, right. But like <laughs> I, a Jimmy John sandwich to me was like the thing that if I was going to like kill in Maine for somebody, it would have been deli meat. Um, but I promise you those things of like, if you crack open the book of like the, what to expect when you're expecting, if we have concerns for that, or if we have concerns for soft cheeses, or we have concerns, right. For not eating too much shrimp is I, I can't imagine a conversation between, A woman and a provider, where you could just say like, "We we don't know enough," and but we do, is to say like, if there is a behavior, if there's a substance that you can keep out of your body during a certain window of time, please don't do it, no matter what. And and I think we do know enough.
0: We we have and on on the on the Isaac uh, Library, the International Academy on Science and Impact Cannabis, it it says there about neonatal health, um, in and the, the genotoxicity,
1: that uh, mm-hmm. the product has, um,
0: and yet there we a can lot even f-
1: see psychotic. That's mine is that we can even start to see psychotic like symptoms in children as they start to, um, grow the fetal growth restrictions, stillbirth, preterm birth, like all of that as being, I just grabbed another meta-analysis and every scientific, uh, many, many scientific articles that we're putting out just confirm what we already know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is, it is sad. Um, and there's there are a lot of very famous women, uh, more famous than you and me, <laughs> that a hundred prom- times over, a <laughs> million times, times over, that are promoting these products. What what is that? What's with uh, um, Whoopi Goldberg and Martha Stewart and even Jane Fonda that are like promoting promoting something without the science?
1: Well, I say that there's there's a time and a place, right, for entrepreneurship, and and a lot of these women. Um, got into the industry very early and or I like Martha Stewart was is an innovator and and she tells us you know how to fold napkins and tells us what to put in our bodies and what to put in our kitchen and it is an industry it's going to be lucrative I have to be honest I I know I won't be the one making a single dollar off of it um, because to me these products get in and, and the science lets us know that it is not good for us. But again, like, I don't, I don't wake up and get resentful of like the Jack Daniels family, right? Is that it's an industry, it got promoted, there's profit. Um, but there is addiction and there is impact and there are negative aspects of it. And to me, I think that's what we see is when we put a, a face that we know so well, and it's so trusted. That's my hope is that I wish that we would just talk about the the other side of it. The part that that it is addictive, it is unsafe. There are still a lot of things that we don't know about it, Um, much like alcohol. And I talk about that as I know I'm, when we talk about alcohol, right? My day and your day Mm -hmm. don't include most of the population that can come in and out um, who are the, over the age of 25 and neuroplasticity. And we can, you know, we can engage in substance use um, in maybe a responsible fashion or or have responsible use. Mm But we see the other side. We see the side when it becomes a problem, when things of life becomes unmanageable. And what I think about, especially for marketing is those iconic people get the first use. They get the second use. And for most people, it's not a concern. But for many people, that starts um, a life that is very painful and very um, difficult. It starts a substance use disorder. And that's who I get to talk to every day. As people that have struggled with it and it has taken their lives,
0: right? And because mm-hmm. it, they normalize the use, and yes. They promote it and they make it appear like there's no harm. So why not? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I remember um, my favorite picture from tobacco industry is that the head of the cancer association with a cigarette. Um, because that's how normal it was that people would always have a cigarette and that's what the industry, um, did and, and that's what the industry probably wants with the cannabis products.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I tell, um, in one of my presentations, I, I know I'm sitting at my kitchen table and I'm looking through a magazine and I tell my mom, I said that my aunt was way cooler than her and she said, okay, well, how do you know that? And I flipped it around and I said, because she's come a long way, baby. And I just read that. <laughs> Um, and yeah. I had seen my aunt with a cigarette in her mouth more often than not, and my mom didn't, and so the marketing worked even yeah. on me. As it age. is, oh, I it think it'd work now it.
0: too. They come a long yeah. way, baby. With We've your come vape pen, long. you know, right?
1: <laughs> well, a bedazzled Blaceva pen, like, yeah, we, we, yes, they're made for us. Right, it's made it, for us.
0: It, it's. Yeah, it, it's sad because people should follow the science and really think more about um, what they're putting in their bodies. Um, uh, because we're told to think about what you're putting in your body every in every other way, right?
1: I I giggle. Um, I get to work with athletes a lot, and I ask them, "Do you pay extra for organic bananas? Do you pay extra for organic?" And they'll just <laughs> That's absolutely a perfect, to me. It's absolute, absolutely. Like I would never imagine putting those chemicals in my body Interesting. when we talk about food. And then I tell them, and I was like, well, if you've used a concentrate, um, potentially in the last year when we seize them and test them, 80% of those are contaminated with like chemicals I can't even right. pronounce.
0: Yeah, that's not organic. <laughs> that
1: is, it's not organic.
0: Yeah. And you specialize in addiction recovery for women. And how, how is that different than recovery for men?
1: I, without getting too much into the nuances is that treatment was often made for men, right? Is that we leave our home, um, we go away to inpatient, right? And get to hear the message of recovery. Um, I think for women, it is, it's an advocacy part. We end up getting to treatment about, about six and a half years later than men. We usually um, choose not to, or can't leave our homes in order to get treatment. And so it's one of the things is that I do do at an IOP, it's an intense outpatient program, is to try to get women in for early recovery before our lives get unmanageable. But when we get in there with women, we're very much often talking about mental health concerns, in addition to substance use disorders. And we're talking about trauma in addition to substance use and mental health disorders. And that's what happens with women, especially for because of that telescoping effect that we had mentioned earlier, is that when we finally come into treatment, we're actually sicker. We have um, the substances have a much more of an impact on our bodies. And we are usually struggling with a co occurring mental health disorder or some kind of a trauma um, history. And that's actually why substances probably got introduced to us, is that um, they work. I hate to be that person. Um, I know you won't be surprised by that, but when people come in to talk to me and families come in to talk, they keep asking, why is she still using? And I was like, well, because drugs work to numb the brain. They they numb that critical voice in our head. They numb activation levels. Um, we find out that if I don't do the work for the mental health part and recovery part, then these substances work.
0: Yeah, um, they, yeah. they help you not care.
1: They Absolutely. Yeah, They help numb a lot of things. Yeah. So instead of moving through it, we just try to move around it.
0: And when you say you you treat women, is it and anybody who identifies as being women?
1: Absolutely, mm-hmm. okay. absolutely.
0: And and athletes, talk to us about athletes. Do I mean athletes are tested, right? They, uh, it's interesting that you specialize in, in drug use for athletes. Are, you're still seeing that as a problem.
1: Yes, that's actually how I got my start. Is that mm-hmm. I was working with athletes, and then when we would get behind closed doors. And the coach would be like, I don't know what's going on with Letitia, but like figure that out. Like eight times out of 10, we were talking about substance. It might not have gotten to like a use disorder or an addiction level, but if you're trying to maintain peak performance every day and dealing with stress or sleep routines or right, like they're flying over time zones, they're flying. I mean, we have half of the world and half of our, you know, Olympic athletes in Beijing right now is uh, how do you adjust after? 12 different, you know, time zones mm. is that we were using substances to try to get back on track and perform at our very best. Um, and I found that fascinating. And, and what, one of my beliefs is that I do believe that like life can offer you anything that a substance can, if we try um, hard enough and figure it out, if it's joy or relaxation or calming effects is that we can figure out some practices and skills, um, if you will, to do that. And so, when you talk about testing, it's kind of entertaining is because some of our leagues are actually moving towards not testing or not having some punitive values, um, especially for cannabis. And most of the policies and procedures that are put in place are for safety. That's why we spend millions of dollars developing a helmet for football, um, because we care about the players, um, mind right? our heads. It's our most important Mm -hmm. sport organ that we have is our brain. And then, um, it seems to me like kind of turning a blind eye for these types of things.
0: So, are they not testing just at all, or just specifically giving a pass for THC? But we still care about whether you're taking your
1: albuterol inhaler or any other stimulant. They still, there are still some banned substances all over for the International Olympic Committee and WADA and the NCAA. Um, but we are trying to figure out what feels responsible for the like the nanograms per milliliter, what would be sort of a positive test um, versus a negative test. But it's, it's a, a very hot topic right now.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine. And when you talk to um, your athletes, how do you convince them that cannabis is not healthy?
1: When I talk to athletes, I get to use a principle um, of things that are ergogenic or ergolytic. Um, And once we define those words, because maybe even as athletes, we've never heard them is ergogenic things um, are things that enhance exercise capacity or athletic performance. And ergolytic are things that impair exercise capacity or athletic. So the joke is, um, hey, we're going to go to lunch, fried stuff with cheese, ergogenic or ergolytic, And we can answer that one really well, right? Like I'm playing tonight, um, bacon cheddar burger. But what happens is when we start to think about substances is we really, and that's honestly where a lot of the testing and the um, sport world is to say is that cannabis isn't ergogenic. It's not enhancing. So it's not a, it's not a performance enhancing drug. And I, you're going to, you're going to, we're going to produce this. And in a couple of years, you're going to be like Bader. And I'm like, I know, I don't know if there's much performance enhancement about this drug. Mm -hmm. So when it gets into the policy for that, that's usually not, you're not, I'm not going to be arguing for that one. To me, I know when it shows up is that it's ergolytic, is that when we're talking about putting something in our body that literally slows reaction time, slows motor coordination, slows perceptual accuracy, it makes it harder to intake oxygen. Um, and my joke is like, well, especially when I'm talking to like athletes at altitude, that stuff's harder anyway. It increases our heart rate by 20 to 50 beats per minute for up to like three hours. That's the getting high part. And I don't know about you, but most of the time I'm trying to figure out how to keep my heart rate low, keep oxygen in my body, and then even um, electrolyte imbalances, cannabis causes that too. So autonomic nervous system um, imbalances, it slows our hippocampus for 24 hours, and i got to learn a playbook. And so that's when I talk to athletes, I think about that is our bodies are like these feedback loops. And so why put something in your body that throws off this really balanced feedback loop that you're trying for and that you just spent extra time after practice catching 100 balls, then that's going to slow perceptual accuracy. It's going to slow or add sway um, to your world.
0: Wow. I, you know, I haven't heard those words, ergo, lytic and genic. Ergo, I guess like ergonomics, like how an athlete moves Mm -hmm. and genic is growing, getting, you know, building and lytic is breaking down. So yeah, that makes sense
1: to me. So something simple. Um, and that's, I usually couch it as something that we've really done a great job of is educating athletes on nutrition, right? Is that we're like, oh, okay, I got it. Or sleep. And I do that. I'm like, Hey, six hours of sleep or 10 hours of sleep, ergogenic, ergolytic. And we can vote really well on those. Yeah. Um, but when it gets into substances, um, it's, it's kind of a delicate thing. But I know a couple of athletes. Um, I, we know uh, a quarterback of a, a professional team that took over, and they had a tradition of taking the, the offensive line out the night before for steak and beers and dinner. I mean, treat them right. These are the guys that protect you. And the new quarterback um, saw the tradition, came in and went, yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And the offensive line actually was a little offended. And he said, why would I put alcohol and heavy meat, like heavy meals yeah. and alcohol in your body the day before you're going to protect me?
0: Yeah. Awesome. They don't,
1: they don't day have day that day. tradition anymore.
0: Right. Do it, do it after. after yeah.
1: before. <laughs> if you have a week to recover. Um, But even talk about that for timing. If we talk football, right? That's a week to recover. Many athletes don't have that long to recover. And so we are using every minute of every day for recovery efforts, for sleep, for restoration, um, for healing. And that's actually, cannabis is is kind of being positioned in that way, that it's going to be one of the ways to help restore um, an athlete's body. I I have trouble. I have trouble. The science doesn't (laughs) let me sit. I know. Well, you could say everything if
0: it's not science. You can make up anything. (laughs)
1: The science doesn't let me say yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by your work as a mental performance consultant. Yes. Tell how how do you do that? Can you make me like perform better, too?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. How does that work? We do that. So a sports psychologist is just that we go for um, we're licensed psychologists. And for many of us, as we were going through our degrees, we took a separate track and learned as much as we could about kinesiology and sport and team dynamics. And that's what that certification is something that is nation it's international certification. And so we do a lot of hours and a lot of mentoring um, to make good, better and better best. And so there are some skills that athletes um, can learn to help with their mental performance. And that's what we talk about is, you, you know, you would hear 90% of the game is mental and yet not many people practice the mental side of it. So attentional focus, um, emotion regulation, right, goal setting, you name it, that's what we get to do on the side. And so learning a set of skills that makes us better um, in the moment every time to handle pressure all of the things that you love to see cool under pressure, right? Keep their head on straight, knowing a lot about their bodies and the strategy of sport. There's a whole little subpopulation that's doing it.
0: Is it more like a type of meditation or getting in your brain or how does that work?
1: For for many athletes, it is it is really working on our brain, our mind-body connection and, and for human beings, right? But we can get thrown off by um, our thoughts. We can get thrown off by our feelings that they can, uh, the bandwidth of feelings if we have them, right, is that you can see somebody get really nervous before a performance, is that we learn a skill set that can help kind of modulate and bring that bandwidth into a very controllable um, effort so that you can change um, excitement or you can change even like fear to excitement. You can change anxiety to um, anticipation. And it's a really cool skill set that we work with. Oh,
0: that is a cool skill set. You know, my my daughter's studying for her medical boards, and um, I think she's a wreck. And I told her that I'm going to talk to you. And I said you should talk to her. She could like calm you down before your skill. you mean, know, I think it's kind of mm-hmm. like athletics. It's a, athletics for the mind. Taking a, a
1: big exam. Absolutely, <laughs> we, performance arousal. They they call it performance anxiety. Um, I've liked to rename it and recouch it over the years and unpack it as its performance arousal. Even before getting on with you, I giggled as I, I took my heart rate um, and I checked in and I was like, oh, and I'm like, oh, must be excitement. If you had asked me ten years ago what an elevated heart rate would mean, I was like, oh my god, I must be anxious. And now what I know about it is that my body is giving me information that my mind needs to interpret correctly because that part for heart increased heart rate or um, my body gets jittery or butterflies is that it means I'm looking forward to this. And I was, I'm very much looking, I was very okay. much looking forward to this um, because to me, and I know I go back to the topic, but whether it's with athletes that you don't get to hear about too much. Right, like the struggles that we have every day, and how do we keep coming back with this peak performance? To me, it's the same for women. Our our world demands a lot of us. Um, insert person here: males, females, CEOs, right, athletes, kids, you name it. And if we can figure out a way to do that in an adaptive fashion, versus maybe using substances or numbing agents or avoidance, um, that's usually why I get up and try to go to work. It's it's my good time. It's my version of a good time.
0: That's great. Well, this has been a fun, delightful conversation. Do you have any advice for April, our hairdresser? Final words of wisdom,
1: April. I be careful how much you spend on a product that mm. says CBD. And I have a feeling this is what I tell athletes. Um, it's what I tell anybody. And I said, prior to CBD, what product did you use in trust? And what product got the cool hair that you wanted? Take that product and compare it to the one that's trending now. And just see. Be an educated consumer. If you're about to spend $100 on a shampoo, right, when this $40 shampoo was probably just as good and your locks look lovely. Just have a critical mind. Have a, have a critical eye.
0: That's great advice. Yeah. I want to say thank you to April. Um, April, thank you for your question. Thank you so
1: much for your question.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and great care you give your clients. And um, I think Dr. Bader's help should make you a cannabis expert. And you'll have a great conversation as you're making people's hair look all pretty. Um, And I want to say thank you to you, uh, Letitia, Dr. Bader, for joining us in High Truths. Um, for the work that you do in recovery, in addiction, the advocacy that you do, the knowledge that you spread. um, And uh, I look forward to continue working with you in the future.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for your time.
0: Thank you for listening to High Truths on Drugs and Addiction, where national experts bring you facts and answer your questions. This week's episode would not be possible without the generous support from our sponsors, a sincere and warm thank you to NMI, the National Marijuana Initiative, striving to dispel misconceptions about marijuana so citizens and policymakers can make well-informed choices. Our producer is Dave Rivas from Davey Boy Productions. I am your host, Dr. Ronit Lev. We hope we brought your day a little bit more high truths.